Last weekend, I was gone doing a wedding up in the mountains of Colorado. But you see, while I was up in the mountains, I found these stone tablets. And I thought I'd talk to you about them. Didn't know I was quite that buff, did you? Actually, Angel brought them down for me, if I'm honest. You see, this starting today and running through the summer, we are going to be looking at a series called Relationship Not Rules as we look at the Ten Commandments. Because what we will discover together is that it's not about the rules. It's about getting wrapped up in our relationship with the Redeemer. I want to thank Karen Helling and Cindy Geiser for putting these together and for all of the time that they did. You guys can give them a hand for that. Thank you for doing that. Today, as we look at the making of the Ten Commandments, we are going to turn together to Exodus chapter 19. And we're going to read a couple of verses together in Exodus 19. Then we're going to jump over into chapter 20 of Exodus and actually see the Ten Commandments, and then we're going to wrap up with a couple of verses in chapter 24. So turn with me to Exodus 19, starting in verse 1. Exactly two months after the Israelites left Egypt, they arrived in the wilderness of Sinai, and after breaking camp at Rephidim, they came to the wilderness of Sinai, and they set up camp there at the base of Mount Sinai. And Moses climbed the mountain to appear before God. And the Lord called to him from the mountain and said, Give these instructions to the family of Jacob. Announce it to the descendants of Israel. You have seen what I did to the Egyptians. You know how I carried you on eagles' wings and I brought you to myself. Now, if you will obey me and keep my commandments, you will be my own special treasure from among all the peoples of the earth. For all the earth belongs to me. And you will be my kingdom of priests, my holy nation. This is the message that you may give to the people of Israel. So Moses returned from the mountain and he called together the elders of the people. And he told them everything that the Lord had commanded him. And all of the people responded together. We will do everything the Lord has commanded. So Moses brought the people's answer back to the Lord. Now jump over with me to chapter 20, starting in verse 1. Then the Lord gave the people all of these instructions. I am the Lord your God who rescued you from the land of Egypt, the place of your slavery. You must not have any other gods before me. You must not make for yourself an idol of any kind or an image of anything in the heavens or the earth or in the sea. You must not bow down to them or worship them. For I am the Lord your God. I am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affections for other gods. I lay the sins of the parents upon their children, and the entire family is affected, even children in the third and fourth generations of those who reject me. But I lavish unfailing love for a thousand generations on those who love me and obey my commands. You must not misuse the name of the Lord your God. The Lord will not let you go unpunished if you misuse his name. Remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You have six days each week for your ordinary work. But on the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. And on that day, no one in your household may do any work. 
This includes you, your sons, your daughters, your male and female servants, your livestock, and any foreigners living among you. For in the six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and everything in them, but on the seventh day he rested. That is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy. Honor your father and mother, then you will live a long, full life in the land the Lord your God has given you. You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely against your neighbor. You must not covet your neighbor's house. You must not covet your neighbor's wife, male or female servant, or ox or donkey, or anything else that belongs to your neighbor. Now jump over to chapter 24. And we're going to look at just the last few verses, starting in verse 12, Exodus 24, 12. Then the Lord said to Moses, come up to me on the mountain. Stay there and I will give you the tablets of stone on which I have inscribed the instructions and the commands so that you can teach the people. So Moses and his assistant Joshua set out and Moses climbed the mountain of God. Moses told the elders, stay here and wait for us until we come back. And Aaron and Ur are here with you. If anyone has a dispute while I'm gone, consult with them. Then Moses climbed up the mountain and the cloud covered it. And the glory of the Lord settled down on Mount Sinai and the cloud covered it for six days. And on the seventh day, the Lord called to Moses from inside the cloud. And to the Israelites at the foot of the mountain, the glory of the Lord appeared at the summit like a consuming fire. Then Moses disappeared into the cloud as he climbed higher up the mountain. And he remained on the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights. You see, it starts here first with the revelation of God. God revealing himself to his people. You see, God invites Moses to join him on the mountain. And what you and I see is Moses responding to this call for relationship. And I want you to picture with me the people at the base of the mountain as they look up and they see the glory of God. Do you realize that God was the one who created that mountain, Mount Sinai, and he not only created it, but he uses it as his throne and he comes down and he invites Moses into his throne room. What other king that you know of has created his own throne? And called it a mountain. And the people are at the base of God's throne. They're at the base of the mountain. They're looking up and they see this consuming fire. The glory of God. And they see Moses ascending into and being wrapped up in the cloud of God. Let me ask you today, what are you wrapped up in? Many of us who call ourselves Christians have become wrapped up in our problems instead of wrapped up in God's presence. We are people today who have been consumed by our trials instead of focusing on God's truth. You see, it's here that we are reminded that God is the one who does the work. The very first thing that he says to Moses here is, I am the one who rescued you. I am the one who redeemed you. So often we look at the Ten Commandments as our way to get to God. But the Ten Commandments are not our way to get to God. They are our response to not just the revelation, but the redemption of God. You see, these are not a list of rules. These point us to life 
with the Lord. God says here, I brought you out on eagle's wings to where? This is the most powerful point in the whole passage that most of us miss. I brought you as a people, not to a place, but to a person. I brought you to myself. You see, so often we get caught up with the promised land, don't we? So often what we see in the Exodus story is God bringing his people out of a place of slavery and into the promised land. But what does he say here? I rescued you on eagle's wings to bring you to myself, not to a place, but to a person. It is not about the promised land as much as it is about the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ. And we are in danger today in America of making it about the land and not making it about the Lord. Because we have subtly shifted in the church in America to where we have started to make the mission saving a country instead of bringing people to Jesus Christ. I'm going to remind you, it's not about a place. As much as you want that, it is about a person. It is about the presence of God. You see, what we discover here is that the goal of every believer is God. It's what Paul would later preach to the Philippians in Philippians 3.10 as he said that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being made conformed unto his death. The desire of every single disciple, the deepest desire of every single disciple should be to know him. Is that your desire today? Are you wrapped up in your problems or in God's presence? Is the deep call of your heart, I just want to know more of Jesus. Not I want to know about Jesus, I want to know Jesus Christ. And I want to know all of Jesus. I don't just want to know the good stuff, I want to know the hard stuff. I want to identify Him, not just through my salvation and what He did for me on the cross, but I want to identify with the sufferings of the Savior as well. Because I want to know Jesus in such a way that I serve Jesus. One of the dangers that we are in as the church is this subtle shift to where we have started to make it more about growing than knowing. And so what we start to do is we go to these Bible studies and on the front end, they're good. I'm not against Bible studies. Don't get me wrong. I think they're wonderful. But most of us today, we're going with the mentality of the goal is growing and not knowing. But can I remind you, the byproduct of knowing Jesus is growing in Jesus. And if you and I really want to grow, we've got to know Jesus. That means that we've got to spend time with the Master on the mountain. That means that you and I have to journey with Jesus. But let me ask you, when was the last time you spent time with God on the mountain? You see, there are so many things that want to distract us. And and in order for Moses to spend time with God on the mountain, he had to make it a priority of his life. And and there's so many things that want to distract us from that. Let, Let me tell you, it's not easy climbing a mountain. Have you ever done that? Then last weekend, all of a sudden, I realized I don't have near as much oxygen as I do down in Nebraska. It starts to burn your legs to try to have to climb up. It takes effort, right? Now, here's the mistake many of us make today. 
I'm too busy. One of the reasons that we don't make time for the Lord is we're lazy. And pastors, I particularly want to preach to you for just a moment, those of you that are listening online, because we get so caught up sometimes in the busyness of ministry that we forget the business of ministry, and the business of ministry is, I want to know you more, Jesus. You see, it's so easy for us to say, yeah, but I had that counseling session. And I had to run to the hospital, and I had to work on that sermon, and I had this, and I had that, and I had everything but time for Jesus. See, the reality is that it's easy for us to kid ourselves into thinking that we've got a lot of things going on in our lives. But you see, even the biggest church, the, the, the most mega church that we could find, pales in comparison to the flock that Moses was called to lead. Over a million people. Man, talk about problems. Talk about pressure. Talk about all of the things that want to draw you away from God. It is so easy for us to get so caught up in ministry that we miss the master. And that's for all of us. And yet Moses made time for God on the mountain. Why don't we? Because we're lazy. Because we live in an instant gratification world where we have become people that care more about results than we do about relationship. And I'm going to tell you, relationship takes time. Moses was on the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights. You can't just show up and spend four minutes with God and call it relationship. You have got to spend time in God's truth. You see, most of us today are chasing after the results more than we are the relationship. We're chasing after the product more than the presence of God. We've made it about getting and not really about God. The truth is that God does want you to experience His peace. God wants you to experience His power. God wants you to experience His presence. But church, those are the byproducts of His presence you and I need to understand today, if we want to experience the peace of God, we need the presence of God. If we want to experience the power of God, we need the presence of God. If we want to experience the provision of God, we need the presence of God in our lives. Are you spending time with the master on the mountain? Are you getting away from all of the other distractions? Have you made Jesus a priority in your life? Is he your number one priority? To where even with the most incredible leadership call, and every one of us is called to be leaders, a leader like Moses was willing to leave the people to spend time in God's presence. Because here's the truth. You will never be a leader of people without the presence of the Lord. And Moses tells us, through God, that God was the one who rescued his people out of slavery. And he brings them out on eagles' wings. What's that all about? You ever watched an eagle fly? They're not slow, they're swift. God did not slowly bring us out of slavery. He swiftly brought us out of slavery. You ever watched how an eagle just effortlessly soars through the skies? That's God's work. 
You see, for you and I, we're, we're like a bunch of little chickens that are pecking around in the dirt. We're, we're stuck on this earth. And, and because of the weight of our sin, we can't fly. And we need God to swoop in and to pick us up and to bring us to Him because there's no way for us to get to God in our own strength. And most of us, we look at the Ten Commandments as, as, the, as the road to redemption. It's not the road to redemption. It is the roadmap that points to the Redeemer. And how did God bring his people out of Israel, out of Egypt, and into the promised land? He brought them out through the blood of the Lamb. How did God redeem you and I? Through the blood of the Lamb. It's the gift of grace. And so often we get caught up in the rules and we forget about the relationship. But here's where many of us make the mistake we start the race with grace, we come to the Lord through faith. But then we trade the Lord for a list. We trade a relationship with the Lord for a list of rules. Church, we don't just start the race by grace. We run the whole race by grace. Because if not, what happens is it's not long before we depart from a relationship with the Lord. And we start following a list. And you know what happens to people that follow lists? They become legalists. You ever been around a legalistic Christian? You ever wondered why they suck the joy out of life? Why they make ministry an absolute misery? You've been around them? I've been around them. It's because they get caught up in the junk and not in Jesus. It's because they've become a lover of a list instead of a lover of the Lord. But here's the thing. Jesus Christ didn't save us to follow a list. He saved us to follow the Lord. You were not saved to serve a list. You were saved to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know what happens when we become people who live our lives based on a list instead of a love for the Lord? We end up not just being legalistic, but we end up back in the prisons of Egypt. We end up back in bondage. And what is the prison for legalists? For list lovers instead of Lord lovers, it's the prison of performance. And how many of us are chaining our kids today to the prison of performance because we're teaching them to follow a list instead of following the Lord Jesus Christ? You want to set your kids free. Teach them it's not about the rules. It is about a relationship with Jesus. So let me ask you, are you following a list today or are you following the Lord? Have you become a lover of the list? Are you in danger of becoming legalistic in your lifestyle? Or are you a lover of the Lord Jesus Christ? Moses spent time with God on the mountain. He did life with the Lord. It was never about the list. It was about life with the Lord. And we are so mistaken today because we have replaced the Lord with a list. You see, the second thing that we see here is the reason. And the reason revolves around relationship. Moses spent 40 days and 40 nights on the mountain with God. If this was about a list of rules, he would have run up, grabbed the list, and run right back down. And unfortunately, that's how most of us are living our life with the Lord. We just run in because we've made it about a checklist instead of about checking in with the Lord. And so we read our Bibles today, and it's just a checklist. Done. That's legalism. It's not about checking 
the list. It's about checking with the Lord. You see, you and I are in danger today of getting caught up in doing without being. It's the Mary-Martha syndrome. You remember the story of Mary and Martha? And how Martha was critical of Jesus Christ. Man, legalists always become critical of the Lord. They just do. They're critical of everybody. Why did Martha get caught up in legalism? Because she was following the list. She was listening to the list. And that led to busyness and bitterness. So what was Mary doing? She was listening to the Lord. Are you listening to a list today? Are you listening to the Lord? Because here's the amazing thing. Martha was caught up with a list and she became busy. Mary was caught up with the Lord and she was blessed. Do you want to be a blessed believer or do you just want to be a busy believer today? You see, we need desperately to sit at the feet of Jesus This is the difference between doing things for Jesus and doing things with Jesus. And I'm going to tell you that list living is exhausting because I've tried it. It's a miserable way to do life because you start doing things in your strength and not in Christ's strength. We were created first to worship, second to work. You and I need to understand this, that your worship is what will fuel your work. And for many of us today, we have traded our worship of God for our work for God. And so what we're doing is we're rushing out trying to do things for Jesus without ever having spent time with Jesus. And you're trying to introduce people to Jesus and you don't even really know Jesus. Because what you're introducing them to is a list. You're not introducing them to the Lord. You're introducing them to the rules of religion. And let me tell you, religion always revolves around rules. Because that's what makes religion run. It is rule-based. But do you know what makes relationship run? It's the Redeemer. It's resting in that relationship with Him. See, the truth is that many of us today have gotten caught up in the busyness instead of the real business and that is knowing Jesus. Where are you at in your life? You see, the truth of the matter is that it's so easy to make it about a list and we end up missing the Lord. What you and I discover here is that the Ten Commandments start with a relationship with God. You see, the first four talk about our relationship with Him. The next six deal with our relationship with other people. You see, the first four are the vertical dimension. That is worship. You see, the next six are our horizontal relationship with other people. And when we get in danger of trading our worship for work, we will become people whose work becomes not only worthless, but it makes us weary. You and I are called to incredibly tough works. 
But understand me, you will never move the mountains unless you spend time with the maker of the mountains. Now as you and I look at this relationship-based, not list, rule-based life, we have to ask ourselves as we look around, why are things so dark and discouraging in our nation right now? Why is death around every corner? Why do we see such darkness in our schools? Why do we see such darkness in our communities, in our society? Why, why do we see it all around us? It's because we have rejected the author of life. You see, the reality is that Jesus Christ is the author of life. And as the author of life, he is the light of life. And when you reject the author of life, the light of life leaves. You see, all of our problems on our planet right now have to do with our relationship with God. Why do the Ten Commandments start with our relationship with God and then talk about our relationship with other people? Because how you respond to God will dictate how you react to other people. If you have a wrong relationship with God, you will have a wrong relationship with people. If you disrespect God, you will disrespect other people. There are some of us today who use people around us. We don't come and we don't look at people as valued by God and therefore should be valued by us. We use them as a commodity. What can I get from them? Have you ever asked yourself why you use people and abuse people? It's because you use God. You see, what happens in your relationship with God will happen in your relationship with other people. When you come into a relationship and you're only interested in what you can get and you're not interested in God, that's not a relationship. That is using God. And many of us treat God like a genie. It's what can I get from God. And then guess what happens in the rest of our relationships? What goes on in your relationship with God will revolve in your relationship with other people. And so you're constantly trying to get with God. And so it becomes about what you can get with other people. The reason that things are so dark and discouraging right now in our country is because we have not been reconciled to God. It's because we have a lot of broken, reckless relationships with God. Where you and I are living in rebellion to God. And we're seeing the results of that rebellion. You see, the answer is people being reconciled back to God. You see, it wasn't that long ago that we said this in our schools. God, we don't want you here. We rejected the author of life. And therefore, we lost the light of life. That's why it's dark in your schools. What do we do in our courtrooms? God, we don't want you here. We don't want the ultimate judge to show up in a courtroom. How ridiculous would that be? But we still go through the joke of, I swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth, so help me, God. We don't want you here. What about in our government? God, we don't want you here. 
If we had our way, we would take him off the money. We would take him out of the pledge. There are churches, even in this valley, that get together, and they really don't want God in their church. So what happens when the author of life leaves, the light of life leaves? And yet, the media tells us a message that is a lie today. And this is the message of the media. This is the reason why we are having to spend so much money, millions of dollars, armor-plating our schools today. Here's the message of the media. The problem in this country is we have a problem with guns. That's the message of the media. You see, that is their reason for why things are so dark. It's an object. But I'm here to tell you that the reason things have gotten dark in our country has very little to do with guns and it has everything to do with God. Because while the media wants to tell you that we need to remove the guns, I am here to tell you that we need to replace God. That is the problem in our country today. That is the problem in our communities today. That is the problem in your home today. That the reason things have become dark is because we have disrespected God. Because we said, I don't want to have a real relationship with God. So we've rejected him. Some of you are not going to like that message today. You may even leave this church. Because you want to be people that listen to the media more than you listen to the Messiah. And I want to challenge you. For some of you, you are spending huge amounts of your life. You spend more time listening to the voice of the media than you do the master. But you see, if it's really true that we've got a gun problem and not a God problem, then answer this question, why was it not that long ago in this nation that kids showed up to school with guns in their pickup trucks because before or after school they were going hunting? No one got shot. What's changed? You see, the media want you to focus on on an object, and I'm telling you we've got to focus on the author. It's not about removing objects. It's about replacing the author of life. Because here's the thing. The Ten Commandments are not chains to limit your life. They are channels that point to the author of life. But what's sad is that eventually, given time, God's people took these Ten Commandments and they turned them into 613 laws. Man, we are really good at making lists, if we're honest. We are really good at being legalistic. And you know, one day one of those legalists came to Jesus. And he said, teacher, which is the greatest commandment? And by the way, he wasn't interested in being taught. He wanted to trick Jesus. You see, here's the thing. He was an expert in the law. He was a legalist. But you know what's sad? He knew the law, he didn't know the Lord. And I think that describes some of you here today. Because you have become a follower of the list, not a lover of the Lord. You know the law, but you really don't know the Lord Jesus Christ. And I love how Jesus responds to the trick. He just responds with truth and he says this, love God, love people. Isn't that amazing? Only only God could do that. Do you see what we do? God gives us his law and we turn it into 613 rules about what we can and can't do. And Jesus reduces it from a list 
into love. Let me ask you today, are you living a list-based life or a love-based life? Many of us are following the list. We're not following the Lord. You see, it's here that we do see the people's response. And at first, it seems like a really encouraging response because here's how the people respond. We want to obey. And on the front end, that seems great. But you know what? Next week, we're going to see that the making of the Ten Commandments resulted in the breaking of the Ten Commandments. Moses didn't even get them down the mountain before they got broken. That's about how good we are at keeping the law. You see, here's the reality. Desire is not enough. You've got to be perfect. The truth is you can't keep the law. Only one person kept the law, and that was the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, we need a redeemer. And there has to come a point in our life where we say, you know what? I can't keep the law, and the law points me to the Lord, and I am going to respond to his invitation of relationship. I am going to rest in his redemption. Has there been a point in your life where you've admitted that you're a sinner? I mean, just look at the law. It is like a mirror that says to us, sinner, sinner, sinner. And at some point, you and I have to come face to face with that sin. We've got to look into the perfect law and say, I didn't measure up. But the Lord did. And we've got to admit that sin and we've got to cry out for Jesus Christ to save us. That's what he did on the cross of Calvary. We have become people that are consumed with behavior today. And we no longer talk about the blood. We've got to be people that that are talking and having conversations not about behavior, but about the blood. Why do I say that? Because there will be no change in your behavior unless you've been changed by the blood of Jesus Christ. Because here's the thing. The blood of Jesus Christ is what allows us to be born again. And without being born again, you will have no new nature. And without a new nature, it'll be the same old behavior over and over and over. You want to change your behavior, it starts with the blood of the Lamb. Are you a blood-bought child of Jesus Christ? Are you living in the grace of God? Or have you gotten caught up in the garbage? Because here's what happens when you and I are lovers of the Lord. Our life will be a life of obedience. But when we are lovers of the law, it will be obligation. And many of us today, we're living these obligated lives instead of obedient lives because we're following the law instead of following the Lord Jesus Christ. We're resting in rules instead of resting in a relationship with him. It is here that we are reminded lastly of the reward. What is our reward? For those who are redeemed, God calls you a special treasure. You are his prized possession. Let me ask you, how many of you feel like a treasure today? How many of you feel like trash? Do you know how many of our kids today are caught up in cutting themselves, devaluing themselves, trashing their lives? Why? Because they don't feel like a treasure. Now the world is going to tell you that you are trash, but the word of God says you are a treasure. Let me ask you, are you going to listen to the voice of the world or the voice of God's word? Because God's word says that you are a prized possession. Even if no one else in your life ever treasures you, God the Father treasures you. 
And I want to encourage you to live out the truth that you're treasured, to stop living in the trash, to stop trashing your lives. For some of you, that means you've got to throw that razor away because you are trashing God's temple. You are trashing what he views as an absolute treasure. Why? Why are you doing that? Because you don't feel treasured. Because you are trying to get your treasure through what the world says instead of through the word of God. You're listening to people instead of God's presence and power. Some of you today, that means that you've got to quit living in the garbage can and start living for God. If you are a treasure, it's time to stop messing around in the trash. You don't throw your wedding ring in the trash can. Stop throwing what God has created and set apart as holy and sanctified. Stop throwing it into the sewer. Treasure the truth of what God tells you. You see, we were not saved to live in the pig pen. We were saved to live in the palace. And here's what happens to most of us. When, when we end up trashing part of our life or someone else, we allow them to trash our life. Here's what we do. We try to make compromises. And we come back to God and we say, I'm no longer worthy to be your son or your daughter. I will just be a slave. I will take a secondary position. Now, I'm not trash, but I'm not treasure. I'm somewhere in between. And that is not true. You will always be God's treasure. And for some of you today, it means to come home. To start living in the palace instead of the pig pen. Moses spent time with God on the mountain. And he rested in God's redemption. What are you resting in today? Jesus invites us to that same rest in Matthew chapter 11. He says, come to me all you who are weary and worn out and I will give you rest. Come to me all of you list living people. Come to me, all of you legalists who with all of your heavy burdens and your rules and your regulations and leave them at the door and rest in a relationship with me. So let me ask you, are you living a worship-based life or a work-based life? Are you trapped in the prison of performance or are you living in the truth of the power of God's presence? Let's pray. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for how you speak to us and encourage us. And God, some of us are going to have to go home and burn the list. And for some of us, it's going to be really hard to let go of the list. Some of us are going to have to change how we parent our kids. Because we've made it rule-based and not relationship-based. God, some of us are going to have to go home and throw some things away that we've been using to trash our lives. But we know that you want to change us to be more like your son, Jesus Christ. And so I pray this week that in the midst of all the busyness of life, we will spend time on the mountain with the author of life. For we pray these things in your name. Amen. Let's be dismissed.